0: To my American listeners, when you hear the name Rutherford B. Hayes, what do you think of? For most Americans, nothing really comes to mind when the 19th President of the United States is mentioned. Hayes is generally considered a rather unremarkable and unmemorable president. In scholarly rankings, Hayes is usually ranked as an average to below average president. In the most recent of these polls, released in June of 2022 by the Siena College Research Institute, Hayes was ranked 31st out of the 45 men who have served as President of the United States. For frequent listeners of Historia Obscura, Hayes may be notable for how he came into office through the Compromise of 1877, which prematurely ended Reconstruction and left American race relations in shambles. For others, he may be best known for his deadly suppression of the Great Railroad Strike of 1877, which saw roughly 100 deaths in the bloodiest labor confrontation in U.S. history. Hayes is also remembered for his assimilationist approach to the Native American question, supporting the division of Native American reservations into private land plots and the education of Native American children in Western Christian schools. Of course, Hayes is also remembered positively in some respects. He believed, in my opinion correctly, that it was important for the American dollar to remain on the gold standard, vetoing the potentially dangerous introduction of silver-backed currency as a short-term solution to a financial panic. Hayes also instituted large-scale civil service reforms in order to promote meritocracy instead of cronyism, which was a component of the rampant corruption under his predecessor, Ulysses S. Grant. And in a small South American country, Hayes is revered for his arbitration to end a bloody war that killed off an entire generation of young men, and almost resulted in that country being carved out of existence by two regional hegemons. Wedged in between the countries of Argentina, Bolivia, and Brazil, you will find the South American nation of Paraguay. With its capital at Asuncion, Paraguay is very sparsely populated with just over 7 million people, approximately equal to New York City's population, inhabiting a country the size of Montana. Paraguay also doesn't have a particularly strong economy. In fact, with a nominal GDP per capita of around $5,600, Paraguay is one of the poorest countries in South America. Classified as a developing country by the United Nations, Paraguay's economy is overwhelmingly agricultural, with its primary export being soybeans. Of course, as the saying goes, money doesn't always buy happiness. In 2017, the Positive Experience Index ranked Paraguay as the happiest country in the world, noting that 87% of Paraguayans polled felt fulfilled in their lives and respected by their peers. Much of this happiness can be attributed to Paraguay's vibrant culture, which, like in most of Latin America, is a mixture of indigenous and European influence. Paraguay is famous for the culture of the Guarani people, who make up approximately 5% of Paraguay's population. In spite of this small population, Guarani culture is practiced and respected by much of Paraguay's white and mestizo population as well. Paraguay's history has been turbulent, to say the least. Since declaring independence from Spain in 1811, Paraguay has been ruled by several repressive dictators— The most recent of these dictators was Alfredo Stroessner, who came to power after a 1954 coup d'etat. Under Stroessner, a militaristic fascist of German origin, fugitive Nazi war criminals found safe harbor in Paraguay. It was also during Stroessner's regime that thousands of Paraguayans fled the country, primarily to Argentina, but also to the United Kingdom, Spain, and the United States. Over 25,000 Americans claim Paraguayan ancestry, with the largest concentration of Paraguayan Americans being in Somerset County, New Jersey. The regime of Stroessner, who was deposed in 1989, did not even mark the most catastrophic era of Paraguay's history. This honor is almost certainly held by an earlier period marked by the rule of an opportunistic dictator, as well as by a devastating war that quite literally obliterated Paraguayan society. I'm going to tell you all about it, right now, on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 89th episode of this podcast, and I'm excited for you to hear it. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara, Lisa Chase, and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and becoming a patron. One more thing... Make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Spotify for Podcasters. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Spotify for Podcasters. of the Paraguayan War can be traced back to the disputes surrounding the Platine region, a river basin around the Rio de la Plata. Although the Treaty of Tordesillas had demarcated the border between Spanish and Portuguese claims in South America, this agreement did not persist after the colonies possessed by these empires gained independence. In the early 19th century, The Platine region was the subject of multiple skirmishes and even all-out wars, primarily between Argentina and Brazil, the most powerful nations in South America. The Cisplatine War, which lasted from 1825 to 1828, was waged by a separatist group known as the 33 Orientals against the Empire of Brazil. The Cisplatine War, in which the United Provinces of the Rio de la Plata, the predecessor state to Argentina, assisted the 33 Orientals, resulted in an Oriental victory and the establishment of Uruguay as an independent country. Brazil got its revenge in 1852, defeating the Argentine Confederation in the Platine War, and reasserting Brazilian hegemony in the Platine region. During the Platine War, Paraguay, led by the dictatorial but benevolent President Carlos Antonio López, was allied with Brazil in the hopes of creating strong economic and industrial ties. However, Lopez soon became disillusioned with Brazilian foreign policy, which frequently included political and military incursions into Uruguay. Viewing Argentinian and more so Brazilian imperialism against Uruguay and Paraguay as a grave threat, Lopez authorized his son Francisco Solano Lopez to oversee the defense sector. The younger López, an ambitious idealist who sought to equalize the power dynamic between Paraguay and her neighbors, turned military production up to 11. By the time his father died in 1862 and he came to power, Francisco Solano López had, through conscription, ballooned the size of Paraguay's military to between 70,000 and 100,000 troops, easily the largest military force in South America at the time. Lopez also cemented an alliance with Uruguay, which was at the time led by the nationalist conservative Blanco Party. But although Paraguay appeared to be a growing power in South America with a righteous grievance against the Brazilian superpower, this image was not maintained for long. In 1863, Uruguay was invaded by the forces of Venancio Flores, a Uruguayan general and leader of the liberal Colorado party, backed by Argentina. Flores sought to overthrow the Blanco party in Uruguay and put a pro argentinian government in power. Outraged, Francisco Solano Lopez pressed the Argentinians for answers, but Argentinian President Bartolomé Mitre claimed that Argentina wasn't involved in Uruguay's internal upheaval. Instead, the Brazilian government, led by Emperor Pedro II, took responsibility for militarily assisting Flores' invasion. In response, Lopez decided to deploy the Paraguayan military to support Blanco forces in Uruguay. The problem is, Paraguay doesn't border Uruguay. To mitigate this issue, lopez asked the argentinian government to let paraguayan troops traverse argentina's soil to get to uruguay expecting argentina to agree due to its long-standing rivalry with brazil however argentina refused and by the time lopez could figure out what the hell was going on the colorados had seized power in uruguay and deposed the blancos it turned out that brazil and argentina's mutual ambivalence towards fighting each other in uruguay wasn't a coincidence Offended by the López regime's attempts to turn Paraguay into South America's third superpower, Brazil and Argentina agreed that López had flown too close to the sun and had to be taken out of the picture. The two nations resolved to get Uruguay on their side by deposing the pro-Paraguay Blancos, and soon afterwards, representatives from Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay convened in Buenos Aires and signed the Treaty of the Triple Alliance. The three countries agreed to collectively wage war on Paraguay until the López regime was overthrown and until, quote, no arms or elements of war should be left to Paraguay. The discovery of this secret treaty was the last straw for the humiliated López. On November 13, 1864, López launched simultaneous invasions of Brazil and Argentina. Paraguay scored early victories against the Triple Alliance in late 1864 and early 1865. In Brazil, Paraguayan forces captured and occupied the provinces of Mato Grosso do Sul and Rio Grande do Sul. In Argentina, Paraguayan troops invaded the Corrientes province, winning crucial naval battles in the Parana River. Paraguay's military success was aided by its long-standing cultural tradition of tasking women with agricultural production, freeing up men to serve as soldiers. However, it soon became evident that a simultaneous occupation of both Brazilian and Argentinian territory was just unsustainable. In June of 1865, Paraguay suffered its worst defeat at the Battle of Riachuelo, the largest naval battle in South American history. The Battle of Riachuelo, in which the Brazilian Navy wiped out practically the entire Paraguayan Navy in one day, resulted in the Triple Alliance taking control of virtually all of the rivers that could be traversed from Paraguay. This prevented Paraguayan troops in Argentina from being armed, putting them on the defensive, and turning the tide in favor of the Triple Alliance. In September of 1866, Francisco Solano López invited Bartolomé Mitre and Pedro II to a peace conference in Paraguay, but both the Argentinian and Brazilian leaders refused to end the war until López was deposed. Less than two weeks later, Paraguay won a major victory at the Battle of Curupaiti, which would halt the Triple Alliance's invasion of Paraguay for almost a year. The Triple Alliance bounced back in July of 1868, besieging and ultimately capturing the Paraguayan armory at Humaita, preventing land troops even within Paraguay from receiving arms. Around this time, the increasingly neurotic Lopez became convinced that his own countrymen were planning to assassinate him. Consequently, Lopez had hundreds of people executed, including most of his military officers over 90% of civil employees, and even his own brothers. Lopez even had his 70-year-old mother tortured and executed after he learned that she had given birth to him out of wedlock, all while the Triple Alliance was taking advantage of these mass executions and closing in on Asuncion. January of 1869 Brazilian, Argentinian and Uruguayan troops captured Asuncion, Paraguay causing Francisco Solano Lopez and his few remaining troops to flee into the rainforests of central Paraguay. By this time Paraguay's military had devolved to the point where Lopez was just sending young boys and elderly men into battle armed with sticks. A year-long manhunt for Lopez soon began and on March 1st 1870, Lopez and approximately 400 Paraguayan soldiers were cornered by Brazilian troops near the hill Cerro Cora. Lopez and his men decided to take a last stand on the hill and fight to the very end. After nearly all of the Paraguayans had been killed or captured, Lopez, who had already been wounded in the stomach by a spear and on the side of his head by a sword, was offered a chance to surrender by Brazilian General José Antonio Correa de Camada. López, in turn, attacked the general with his sword and was shot dead. He was 43 years old. With Paraguay's government and military gone, the Paraguayan War had ended after over five years. In the ensuing territorial negotiations, Paraguay was forced to cede its disputed land claims, which constituted roughly 40% of Paraguay's claimed population, to Brazil and Argentina. Due to Argentina's aspiration of controlling the entire Gran Chaco region, virtually all of Paraguay's territory was nearly carved out and given to Argentina. After U.S. President Rutherford B. Hayes was brought in to arbitrate the dispute, however, Hayes awarded this land to Paraguay, effectively saving the country from ceasing to exist. In his honor, the Paraguayan government named one of the departments in the Gran Chaco region, Departamento de Presidente Hayes, The question of whether or not Francisco Solano Lopez was an honorable leader who defended his country to the death, or a madman leading an expansionist pariah state, has been fiercely debated throughout Paraguayan history. Since his rehabilitation by Alfredo Stroessner's regime in the 1960s, Lopez has generally been remembered fondly by the Paraguayan government. What is not disputed is the catastrophic impact the war had on Paraguayan society an estimated 60% of Paraguay's population died over the course of the war, primarily from disease and hunger. Among men, that figure is believed to be over 90%. During a 2016 visit to Israel, Paraguayan President Horacio Cartes famously said to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, quote, We had our own holocaust. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I certainly enjoyed researching it myself. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at podcasters.spotify.com/pod/show/historia-obscura/message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally. If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to spotify.com slash podcasters. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.